we're going to be talking about the National Basketball Association. Do, 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 love that you did that shit in my head i was like yeah we would pay for you know john tesh's mba on uh, nbc thing uh to play in the background at that point that'd be the perfect human and i'm just off key enough that we're all right exactly so um the cia killed jfk there's martians under the bia guess there's nothing left to say but birds ain't real Disney's got a frozen head. Paul McCartney might be dead. The news was you just be misled because birds ain't real. Moon is hollow, earth is flat. Government invented crack. The only thing we know for fact is birds ain't real. All right. So, figured the best way to start off anything is the old, good old-fashioned game. Marry, fuck, kill. Okay. So for something that's relevant to this episode, you know, we're going to do Owl's background and choose the dog uh, Air Bud um, from the movie Air Bud, who is a uh, golden retriever who could play basketball, football, uh, soccer, uh, beach volleyball. Are we going to? Are we going to do Air Bud from the movie Air Bud or the dog who played Air Bud? Because the dog who played Air Bud is definitely dead at this point. There's, oh, no, well, yeah, it's definitely dead. But, like, you know, I guess, you know, I guess, like, we'll just do a uh, basketball playing golden retriever. Okay. You know? <laughs> um, that's alive because, yeah. Uh, Any of the uh, various basketball Air playing Bud, golden retrievers out there. Air Bud was, uh, you know, came out in 1997. So, yeah, it would have to be, you know quite old <laughs> uh still be alive so yeah it's basically like if it was still alive it's so old it would die if you fucked it <laughs> so that's kind Can of you... the uh double one it's your standard golden retriever long hair loving, long beautiful uh, blonde hair yeah let's uh we'll look up a uh, golden uh retriever uh characteristics um, I believe they're like extremely loyal. So, so and the golden retriever is part of the fuck Mary kill. Yeah, uh, specifically uh, <laughs> Air Bud. Okay, uh, we're imagining it's uh, alive, um, and that if you know it would be it get to near death if you were to fuck it. Male or female? That's I'm a pretty male sure. Dog. Pretty sure Buddy's a boy. Yeah, Buddy. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then Amber Heard and... Uh, yeah, well, no, the next one, yeah, is Amber Heard. Is, uh, so Amber Heard, so uh, Johnny Depp's ex-wife may beat you, you know, but, you know, I think we could say she's conventionally attractive. You know, right? Ow. She got she got Johnny Depp on lock, so, yeah. I mean, exactly. ignoring the fact that I had to Google who this person was because I'm terrible at current events. You like, never watch Aquaman? I've watched it twice and can't remember any of it. <laughs> the movie, I've never, uh, I've never MMA, watched it. The MMA movie, Never Back Down. Oh, the starring Paul Bart, Blart? Not that one. Uh, but <laughs> I know Hardy? which one. <laughs> I know what one you're talking about uh, where uh, Kevin James becomes an MMA fighter. It's yeah. like, if there's like any proof that there's like Hollywood like pedophilia ring, 
it's that like Kevin James has seen it and he's getting like work continuously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Amber Heard, Amber Heard will beat you, um, but she might beat you off. Uh, she'll shit in your bed. Yeah, she'll shit in your bed. That's another thing that might happen. Um, Pussy's got to be good, though. Yeah, I mean, because he stayed with her for uh, a minute. So, and it sounded like their uh, relationship was pretty volatile. And then the third one I got is Osama bin Laden's uh, MAGA loving niece, uh, Nora. Ooh. What the um, fuck? <laughs> make Al Qaeda great again, huh? So yeah, uh you know, she's pretty you know, she's pretty and like I, I personally have always had a thing for Middle Eastern chicks. Know, uh Middle Eastern chicks, yeah. So they they are hot. And they like I feel like they age well. That's not her right there. Uh, that's uh, some is other it, person. Is that Fran Dresser? <laughs> no, that's uh Laura Loomer. Uh but that's for another day, but yeah. Uh, you know, she's, uh, you know, hasn't killed or been responsible for the death of the man. There's blood on her hands, though. You know, she's got blood on her hands when, you know, she prepares a uh, goat fucking during the fucking law, according to the laws of Ramadan or something. But, uh, <laughs> no. But, yeah. Okay. I'm going go? first. I'm going first. I'm, I'm fucking Amber Heard. I'm killing bin Laden's niece and I'm marrying the generic golden retriever that plays basketball that's off that's awfully patriotic of you okay um i was not expecting that okay dogs dogs are loyal dogs will love you unconditionally uh this chick no matter how hot she is no matter how much she loves trump she's still osama bin laden's niece and you can't you can't trust her okay and then and then like i said about amber heard even though she will chop you into pieces and take a dump on your bed i bet the pussy's good (laughs) (laughs) all right respect that all right owl definitely marry the golden retriever because i mean like you said they're loyal and being married to a dog everybody knows that i'm a closet furry so that just that just kind of goes without saying because i mean when you marry something someone or something that implies you get a you get to have sex so I want to say something. I don't. I don't think you're a closet furry. Maybe just a non-practicing. I think that uh, <laughs> Al is just uh, too uh, frugal to uh, spend the money on uh, a proper suit. That's the only thing that's keeping him out. <laughs> and I guess I'll kill Amber Heard because I love me Johnny Depp, and I haven't paid a lot of attention to this case, but it sounds like it's showing that, like you know men can be abused too and she's kind of a piece of shit and i would fuck osama bin laden's niece because i think that's just like a really good story like a really good like i fucked this person story just like i'm sure a bunch of people can say they fucked amber heard you know but not everybody could say like i that's awfully presumptuous and you know i don't know she's in hollywood i'm sure a bunch of producers passed her around (laughs) I'm just trying to give out uh, for being sexist. (laughs) I think this uh, whole Bin Laden thing is just trying to be trying to not be xenophobic. Well, no, no, it's not like to like, you know, I don't think you're uh, xenophobic. I was and I was also going to choose Osama Bin Laden's niece. But uh, because we could say she's objectively, you know, attractive. She looks like she's older, you know, but, you know, she's a good looking woman. I also don't think it's unpatriotic if you're to fuck or marry her. Maybe a little bit (laughs) if you're to marry her, but I don't know. 
my personal option or choice would be I'm gonna definitely fuck Osama bin Laden's niece, and you know I guess this is just gonna reveal a lot of myself about the type of women I like. Uh, <laughs> You're not I like killing them. the dog. <laughs> I'm, 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 I uh, you know really like people that are fiery and uh, you know uh, passionate. You know, like I like could always see myself marrying like a like Colombian woman that like one day like stabs me in the heart for like just like not loving her enough i don't gloria know, off crazy. modern family yeah <laughs> something like that you know um but like kind of like even spicier than that you know uh there's nothing know. there's nothing something spice. about a uh, damaged uh, uh you're not crazy. killing the dog are you i'm there's gonna nothing, kill the dog there's nothing spicier oh than God. taking a show in the bed but i'm gonna man. kill the dog but i'm gonna kill the dog by fucking it uh, <laughs> you're, gonna fuck, oh. you're gonna fuck the dog to death <laughs> All right. Uh, no, because I'm imagining it's uh, Airbud, OG Airbud, that's still alive. It's like a 27 year old dog at this point. And... You're gonna take it to? Oh, okay. So this dog is on hospice, and you're just there to euthanize it. <laughs> yeah, ex- essentially. Uh, <laughs> that's what called named his dick the euthanizer. I mean, <laughs> exactly. As far as like hot takes go, something about slaughtering slaughtering goats on Ramadan. But uh, killing a dog is definitely probably the thing that's going to get you you canceled, Hawk. <laughs> I mean, especially a golden retriever. That especially an American basketball. icon. Um, like the generic version of Airbud. Like a lot of people are morally ambiguous. A lot of, a lot shit of people that we're are going to be upset nobody's that okay with. Barry. A lot of people are upset that going to be upset that I'm going to uh, marry Amber Heard. But yeah, Amber, if you hear this, uh, I don't think you're crazy. You know, and, and, <laughs> uh, and secretly just want somebody to take a say? shit to take a shit on his bed. It's yeah, the, not the yeah. hawk. I mean, the hawk is. I'm not into. Shits. I'm not into uh, bed shits uh, by any means, but I'm not necessarily like. No, I would say I'm against them. You know, <laughs> like I don't like when my cat like shits on the bed or like has like dirty pants and like has it fucking turd stuck to himself uh, and it like drops on my bed and drags. Uh, uh i don't like that uh but you know if amber heard was doing it like am i gonna kick her out right away you know probably not i have other sheets you know but uh yeah welcome to birds ain't real uh (laughs) where where hawks kill air buds exactly um i wonder how many hawks it would take to actually kill air bud i'm gonna say two see that's like an alternate episode for another uh podcast is like estimating the power level of Airbud uh, and, and <laughs> how strong he is uh amongst like other people within you know uh different cinematic universes but if we talk um, about the Airbud cinematic universe he does eventually have superhero dog puppies right ex- exactly that's because like, superman yeah, fucked like super pups so um you know uh no they actually have these uh magic collars they're kind of like the infinity stones but uh i digress but yeah uh once again welcome to birds ain't real this week we're going to be talking about the national basketball association do 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 love that you did that shit in my head i was like yeah we would pay for you know john tesh's mba on uh, nbc thing uh to play in the background at that point and that'd be the perfect human and i'm just off key enough that we're all right exactly so um so 
Yeah, I'm going to go into, uh, you know, it's the NBA playoffs, you know, uh, as uh, I know you know, uh, Vulture. But, um, Owl, what do you know about basketball? Uh, there's a certain amount of, of, of uh, people on each side, and they're really, they're really trying hard to get that ball <laughs> to the other side. And you can't, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to bounce it twice. Um, and you have to bounce <laughs> it when you're moving or else it's traveling and uh, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Yao Ming. And that <laughs> is all of my <laughs> NBA knowledge right there. That's actually impressive. I mean, any other players that you can name? Uh, like no. you have, almost have, you know, one more, you're one shy of having a team there. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's more Shaquille O'Neal. Boom. Ooh. Yes. Nice, dude. <laughs> you can't forget Shaq. I think Shaq is one of the top 10 like greatest humans that have ever lived. You're talking about how like was it with like Mormonism that like only like a small number of people get in? Yeah, 144,000 no, Jehovah's, 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 Witness. Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, Shaq's get Shaq's making that number. You know, he's making that cut off for sure. But um yeah, uh and we'll actually be speaking about Shaq, which I guess, you know. That is a pretty, I mean, we could go from more far-fetched to, you know, more real, but um, all these actually kind of have their same, uh, the same, you know, kind of weight of realism. But I guess, you know, since we're talking about Shaq, we could talk about, you know, the idea that the NBA is actually rigged. And several of these, you know, different, uh, you know, conspiracies that we'll talk about today go into the NBA being rigged. Uh, whether it's individual games or uh, the NBA draft order, for instance. But, um, you know, one of the biggest, you know, I guess smoking guns for, you know, the NBA being rigged was a uh, 2007 NBA uh, betting scandal involving NBA referee uh, Tim Donaghy. And uh, this guy has uh, refed uh, multiple games and was actually betting on games that he was overseeing and essentially he was in a position where he was able to affect the um actual you know point spread of a game so uh, you know even if he wasn't actually able to you know affect the outcome explicitly he was able to like win people some money by either you know covering the spread or blowing it for instance so was money the pure reason behind that yeah, he was just he, no. He was just addicted to gambling. Actually, oh really? Uh, he was addicted to gambling, and he was uh, you know ended up getting approached by some uh, low level uh, mobsters, you know, and was reportedly part of a uh, gambling ring. Uh, so he wasn't in the hole with them or anything. He was partnered up. Uh, yeah, um, he actually you know was uh, uh, partnered up with them and able to you know affect some outcomes to the point of you know um as further uh, as this article says as further information is released on tim donaghy sports gambling scandal the more incriminating the facts become assistant u.s attorney general uh, jeffrey goldberg said in a letter filed friday in brooklyn federal court that former nba referee uh, donaghy bet on about 14 games that he officiated during the 2006-2007 season the first 15 games of the 2006-2007 refereed uh, by Tim Donaghy 
that had significant enough betting to move the point spread by 1.5 points or more were perfect against Vegas, meaning that the big money gamblers won 15 to 15 times on his games. So in games that he was officiating, basically uh, they were able, the betters were able to win um, with this ring. And the odds of that are 32,768 to one, essentially. So was he like a head referee? I don't yeah, know he was one of the, um, you know, there's like multiple four refs basically that could call fouls and things like that. So uh, he was in positions to uh, affect outcomes, you know, or uh, call fouls. And, you know, more or less the ref, uh, NBA says that they have a, you know, uh, around like 95%, you know, correct call rating. So, you know, only 5% of calls could like either like we're either shouldn't have been made or uh, there was no call and a call should have been made. Um, So that's a pretty small number. So this prompted basically a full investigation where they found that, you know, none of the games were actually rigged and basically anything was maybe subjective at best, but there have been ideas that, you know, the NBA wants to, you know, control who's viewing uh, control who's viewing their, uh, or not control who's viewing them, control who's, you know, either succeeding in the playoffs. They obviously prefer, you know, bigger market teams such as like the Lakers or whoever, um, Knicks, uh, just some of the bigger city teams. So, and that kind of goes into this next part of, you know, a game that most people think is uh, rigged. Um, or was rigged, or the biggest evidence of a rigged game, which was the 2002 uh, Western Conference Finals, uh, game six between the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Lakers. So it's a best of seven series, meaning the first team to four wins advances, and Sacramento Kings were up three points, uh, or sorry, three games to two. And they're actually up by, I believe, five points, yeah, at halftime. And then people say that, you know, that's when things changed, and NBA referees in the game were obviously making no calls against the Kings and calls that were benefiting the Los Angeles Lakers. And, you know, there's a video uh, we could actually you know kind of go into, but without like knowing like the fundamentals about it, it's like hard to like really, you know, it turned this into like a basketball podcast of just us breaking down film. So we won't do that. But, but at the know, same time, talk to me as though I don't know fucking anything about basketball. So, because I don't. Basketball, playoff <laughs> basketball, you know, it's usually, you know, a higher pace, you know, and it's more physical. You know, the referees usually adjust their calls for that type of play. Basically, basically they're more lenient in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, not meaning that you can't be, you know, some calls are going to be called regardless, but some of those coin flip calls maybe not, uh, won't get called as much. You know? So they're pretty much just like, all right, this is the real deal. People, <laughs> let's see what the fuck they can get away with to like make this game even better. Or is it not like... necessarily even better? Like, so like with this, you know, specific game, you know, the Lakers were, you know, one half away from being eliminated and down five points. And uh, the theory is that the referees were trying to extend it to a game seven, which, uh, you know, the Lakers would ultimately end up winning. Um, so the theory is that, you know, they're trying to rig the game against the Kings from Sacramento, who is a smaller market franchise in order for the Los Angeles Lakers to move forward to the NBA finals. Um, and the commissioner of the NBA at the time is even quoted as saying that his dream NBA finals would be the Lakers playing the Lakers. 
you know, because, you know, just LA is just the biggest basketball market in the NBA. So, but yeah, you know, so some of these calls were just, you know, uh, questionable calls were like, was contact even made, et cetera. And uh, especially at key moments. And uh, was this pre, was this pre instant replay? Well, like where you could challenge calls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely before that. So, and uh, a guy actually did a full breakdown as far as this person. They actually went through all of the different referees that are able to make calls on the court and saw that, you know, on the surface, you know, the Lakers, you know, maybe uh, got more favorable calls than uh, than the uh, Laker or than the Kings, but ultimately, you know, this person investigated that showed it doesn't appear that those rigging or you know they're so good at it. You know, it was so subtle because there's calls that they could have easily called that would have favored the Lakers uh, that they didn't, and back and forth. So it's all subjective, but there is some um, you know several interesting calls that were made that you know maybe uh, wouldn't have, and some that you know. We're definitely momentum shifting um, calls in a game like basketball. That's definitely dependent on momentum at the end of the game. It's definitely impactful. But uh, the person that actually said that uh, that game was one of the ones that was rigged was Tim Donaghy, the guy that was actually caught by like the FBI for rigging games and uh, betting uh, on games that he was actually officiating. And he actually said, that the NBA has a number of uh, referees that are basically on their payroll that make sure that, you know, the teams and franchises and players that they want um, get favorable calls so that they could, you know, um, I guess have as much exposure as possible. So, so again, yeah, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. So you can see the foul happening on TV and you can see, like the position of the referee's head and they could see the thing happen. So that's why it's like calling bullshit or is it kind of just like, you can't really yeah, well, tell like, because you like, cause you're supposed to, you're just supposed to trust the referees, right? Like that's why you hire the referees. Cause there's the yeah, ones who are they're questionable calls. Yeah. They're okay. questionable calls. And you know, but like you'll, you they know, could go either way. Is uh, what we'll we mean go by through, that. Uh, some of this video actually just for the uh, shit uh, sake of it, but like you would hear on the commentary of this. Uh, so yeah, there's the quote right there. Lakers versus the Lakers. I'd be lying if I told you there wasn't a special fascination with the Lakers. David Stern, NBA commissioner when asked about his dream finals. So for instance, this is uh, the first. Uh, yeah. So describe, describe to me what we're seeing right here. So, yeah, we're looking at... Uh, you're hitting, looking at Chris Weber and Scott Pollard. Yeah, so you're looking Kobe. at uh, Scott Pollard. So they said right there is a foul, okay? And, like, a foul basically is, like, in the act of shooting if you basically touch their arm, more or less. That's what a foul is at this point. So you see, you know, on this next play, Kobe Bryant, you know, drive across, you know, uh, Scott Pollard and Doug Christie, and then... Right there, I'd say actually is a perfect point where it's paused because it looks like it's about to leave. It's like on his Kobe Bryant's fingertips at most. And Scott Pollard, you know, his arm is nowhere near Kobe Bryant's arm, right? And then you see the ball's gone, still arm doesn't make contact with Kobe Bryant's arm, right? 
So they called that a uh, contact foul on Scott Pollard, even though to you, Mr. Uh, only knows like five players. Did it look like he made contact on Kobe or did Kobe drive past? It didn't see any contact. Okay. So, and here's another one. So like when you're down low, so against a guy like Shaq, as long as you keep your feet planted, you know, and keep like basically like your shoulders square with your hips and raise your arms. Um, if they like bump into you with their arms, that's not a foul as long as you maintain your base. So Scott Pollard is a player. Or it could be an offensive foul. Yeah, it could be an offensive foul if he, you know, if you're like fully uh, planted and they like actually run into you and charge you basically. So right there was a foul. Right there when Mike Bibby loses the ball, that wasn't, that was a no call against the Kings. And then right there, so this is like the example of a charge. So this was called a charge against Chris Weber. You know, you see Chris Weber make, you know, some contact and a push off, you know, which is totally normal in an NBA game. Okay. And that's like one of those things that like, you know, we were talking about are like more lenient about in the playoffs, you know, than playing more physical basketball. His uh, feet were not actually planted, which is what you need for a charge, but they called it, you know, offensive foul. And, uh, you know, Chris Weber actually like made that. And it could, should have been, you know, if anything, a defensive foul, uh, Robert Ori. So just I say C-Dip through an part, elbow there. Yeah. I mean, that one is a little bit, you know, he was playing physical right there. So you could have called it either way. So that one's not necessarily ingrained. But here's the uh, this next one. Uh, Kobe Bryant goes up for a shot. Chris Weber was called uh, for a, a foul on here. And, you know, right there is where the block happens. And they say they touch that he touched, you know, uh, Kobe's hand. But it looks like his hands on top of the ball. Kobe's hands at the bottom of the ball, and he strips it away. And that was called a foul. And then, you know, overall on the box score, you know, if you look at the uh, team comparison, the Lakers ended up getting to the uh, fifteen more foul opportunities. You know, and even when you adjust those for like the end of the game. They still had like nine more shots at the foul line. So those are like little things that those type of calls and non-calls are some of the examples of how like a game could be possibly rigged, you know, more or less real time. So that's, you know, probably the biggest example of a game that was completely rigged. Kings were up at the half and then we're just not getting any calls uh, in their favor. And then Lakers ended up going on to uh end up winning the series so uh, whatever happened to donahy uh donahy like ratted about like other people and then uh he ended up uh going to i think he had a suspended sentence yeah so uh, probation yeah probation (laughs) and pete rose still isn't in the hall of fame this is bullshit so yeah yeah a lot of uh scandals involving the nba involve you know uh you know uh gambling but the next one you know, wait is... before we move on so the lakers game six thing that you're talking about like yeah is this the one like you're saying this it kind of just straight up looks like this is a conspiracy and the game was rigged like but nothing was done about it right like the lakers went on to to play and nothing was ever done about it yeah, nothing was ever done about it, but like uh, the commentators, coaches, you know, players say it was, you know, 
the worst officiated game ever. And a lot of people believe that, you know, the NBA was tipping their hat and trying to get the Lakers involved in or uh, onto the NBA finals. Because that's nice. just like more, more people are going to watch it ultimately. And when you're talking about TV revenue, you know, more people are going to tune in to watch the team from LA than the team from, you know, up in Sacramento. So good. You, you're um, giving me, you're giving me fuel for when I'm like hanging out at a bar with other people who watch sports and they'll like, they'll be like, man, that was rigged. And I'll be like, yeah, you know, like Lakers game six uh, in 2002, right? And they'll be like, oh, and then. I, I'll hope that that's all I'll have to say for the rest of the fucking night. And if they ask me anything else, <laughs> I'll go play darts. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, there's, uh, you know, some uh, definitely some questionable stuff. People have done some research. People have their heart, hot takes about it. But so far, we've presented proof of, you know, actual a referee that was, you know, investigated and caught for, you know, starting a gambling uh, ring. Uh, betting on games that he was officiating on and a game with you know several controversial calls and it's hard to like really convey those you know since we're not like a non-nba ones but you know calls that could have gone either way uh that tend to flip uh favor los angeles at the end and you know what ended up happening is you know los angeles ended up winning game six and went on to win game seven went on to the nba finals to uh win their third NBA championship. And yeah, that was another thing is the Lakers were on their quest for their third consecutive championship in a row. So the NBA tends to like its story, uh, storylines and will often do things to get their way. So, so you're saying they're number two in sports entertainment. Yeah. Well, three. I don't think, I don't think WWE runs the storylines better than anybody, but the NBA isn't slacking on it. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, you know, uh, and we'll go into that uh, a little bit more now. So uh, the next thing is the Ewing draft uh, for Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing is basically like a once in a uh, uh, lifetime NBA player who played at the University of Georgetown. And this was like back in the day when, you know, NBA players like played like all four years of college, roughly at least like three years of college, but he uh, won um, uh, a NCAA championship, uh, was a three-time All-American um, and four-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year while in college. So one of the most soft af- uh, sought-after prospects in NBA history. And for the first time ever, they were actually using a NBA uh, draft lottery, which is kind of uh, what they use now which is more or less um, the bottom 10 or so teams based on, you know, their record, you know, have a, uh, you know, percentage chance of getting that top pick. And back in this first draft, I believe it was actually just for, they just had each one had an individual envelope. So each team that was in the lottery this year had an equal chance of uh, being selected and getting that top pick and being able to select the consensus top player, Patrick Ewing. So how it's back then it was, everybody had a one, everybody had the same chance, all, all 28 teams. Or yeah. Whatever. So before that, you know, it was just the worst team, but they noticed that a lot of people were tanking their record just in order to get that, you know, uh, top pick. If it was like a, uh, 
you know, solid players. So to discourage from that, they had the lottery. And in this lottery, it was literally just individual envelopes. And then each team had one of them that was in the lottery. And they put them in this clear plastic globe and uh, our ball and spun them around. And that's when the shenanigans uh, fall into place. So now it's more based off of odds based on their records. So the team with the worst record does have the best odds and they have like ping pong balls essentially. So the most balls goes to the team with the worst record. But that night, let me uh, get the article. Um, Was this guy in space jam? Yes. Okay. So Patrick (laughs) Ewing is uh, one of the monsters from uh, space jam. So for our non-sports fans, that will be a um, way that you could uh... impress people at the bar. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. So sorry. What I was going to say is uh, the, um, you know, bottom two uh, teams uh, would actually be decided by a coin flip before the lottery. So, you know, for instance, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, uh, received the rights to draft Magic Johnson through a coin flip. You know, I believe uh, Larry Bird went to, you know, the Boston Celtics on a coin flip. But uh, basically, long story short, fucking Patrick Ewing, huge seven footer. Could basically do everything on the court. I'm trying to like this is like a long ass article with like hyperlinks and shit. Yeah, so they were talking about how uh, the NBA's TV deal with CBS was set to expire. So there was, you know, some uh, I guess incentive for the NBA to make sure that like one of their uh, biggest market teams actually received, you know, uh, Patrick Ewing. But let me uh, find the uh okay so basically once the draft started um what unfolded next uh this is quoting the sports illustrated article basically a white-haired man from the accounting firm of ernst and uh winnie jack wagner tossed the seven envelopes of the seven teams that were included in the lottery um into the plastic globe one at a time pausing for the briefest of moments perhaps to adjust his aim or whatever before dumping in the fourth which bangs off the interior of the drum, creasing the corner. Okay. So, uh, and we can watch a video of this in uh, 1985 draft lottery. And you can kind of see how, you know, uh, basically the other envelopes go in just fine. Okay. One, two, and the fourth one bangs it. And it also flips upside down. And the others go in as normal. Okay. So, like, you know, essentially, if you're playing, like, cards or whatever, that would be, like, you know. In the like corner a of a card. card Super fucking obvious. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You could kind of think about it in those terms right there. But that's pretty undisputable, right? Now, we're going to move on to the point where they're all mixed up, okay? Because, obviously, they could go in and choose just the fourth one. You see David Stern take a deep breath. You know, maybe he's nervous about choosing the right one. Had multiple. So we'll go back and do frame breakdown. So he had multiple in his hand at one moment. He does a very obvious motion that is not natural. Yeah. So he does like a pickup, flip, and chooses the one with the bank corner. You know, if you look at that. Well, we know we know he took the we, we know he took the bank corner one because Yeah. So that's, you know, part of the visual evidence that's included. So 
there's the crease corner theory, but there's also the theory that they put the envelopes in, you know, the freezer or, or the Nick's envelope. So that maybe he was trying to find the cold one, the frozen envelope, uh, supposedly. So, yeah. and I'm sure they practiced that 5 million times. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the craziest things, though, is according to this article, Ernst and Winnie. All right. This was the firm task with, you know, sealing the envelopes and preparing the envelopes. So there's these, uh, you know, companies, uh, they're usually like gaming companies um, that will do like consulting for, uh, you know, different things such as like the NBA draft lottery in this case, or, you know, uh, for instance, you know, it's like not McDonald's that does their monopoly game. It's actually, you know, or, or their marketing people, they hire like an outside firm that's, you know, expert in gaming. And, you know, making things, you know, I guess, I guess fair um, and regulated. So the same firm just happened to be the auditing, same auditing firm for the owners, uh, the same, uh, the business firm that owned the New York Knicks. Inside Uh, baseball right there. Yeah. And they even, uh, Madison Square Garden president even responded to the rumors of a fix of saying, hey, I told them how to fix it 60 days ago. You call up Ernst and Winnie and you say, if we don't get... Ewing, you're fired. So uh, long story short, you know, Patrick Ewing went on to play uh, for the New York Knicks and definitely turned turned their franchise around. He was unable to win an NBA championship uh, with them. Check out that. What other teams were, what other teams were in the globe? Oh, so for instance, the second team uh, was like the Indiana Pacers. So Man, think how like, killer they would have been with Reggie and Patrick you Ewing. Know, Rick Smith's too or something like that, you know? So it would have been killer. But, like, I think part of Reggie Miller's greatness is underestimated because, specifically because he played for the Pacers. And not a lot of people saw a lot of games out of Indiana. Yeah. So, but, yeah, New York Knicks got their man, right? And if you actually go into uh, NBA draft lore, there's several times – where, you know, a uh, uh, supposed uh, good story or a uh, big market team has the opportunity to score a huge player. So, yeah, list of first overall picks in the NBA. So, for instance, just recently in 2003, the The Cavaliers Cavaliers got, you know, had equal chance of getting, um, you know, LeBron or getting the first overall pick along with the Denver Nuggets. And they're able to get the hometown hero, LeBron James. And then, you know, the Chicago Bulls beating the odds to, you know, another large market team to get a uh, generational player. And then there's time where, like, the Cleveland Cavaliers owner who has some type of, like, uh, disease, like cystic fibrosis or something like that. You know, they talked about that on uh, one night that he was, like, you know, uh, representing the team at the NBA draft lottery. And then he ended up winning the lottery that night for them. And there's like other little moments like that. But, you know, oftentimes, you know, the very big market teams end up getting the big time players and uh, whether that's through the draft or through free agency. And, you know, there's even, you know, idea that um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, won the lottery four uh three times in four years and that basically set up lebron james's return to cleveland so a lot of people think that was initially planned as well to make cleveland competitive and make that a compelling storyline overall into the biggest 
known to the bigger picture. So hometown yeah. kid, hometown yeah. kid leaves, comes back, wins a title. Exactly. It's fucking epic. But yeah. It's a WWE storyline. So it's, you know, there's an idea that, you know, the NBA draft lottery is rigged. Um, whether it's through freezing envelopes, banging envelopes. Now they have ping pong, so it's a little bit more complicated. But yeah, there's that. And then the final one is actually talking about the death of James Jordan. And, you know, you're probably wondering, like, you know, when you're watching Space Jam, you know, we're like, why is Michael Jordan playing baseball? And I thought he was a basketball player. And that's kind of what that movie is about. But um, this kind of goes into Michael Jordan's, you know, retirement and, you know, the conspiracy behind that. But overall, Michael Jordan's father uh, in uh, 1993 was end up being murdered in a attempted uh, carjacking, supposedly. So he was missing for several weeks, uh, beginning in late July and was found in August of that year, shot once through the chest, his car, Red Lexus had been found with its windows broken while his body was about 60 miles away in a creek. And, you know, personal, his uh, Lexus, as well as, um, you know, some, or sorry, uh, personal belongings, like including NBA rings and like a Rolex were found by the two perpetrators who are like two young guys, basically uh, Larry Martin Demery and Daniel Andre green. Uh, what year did this happen? 1993. One was uh, 17 and one was 18. Two months later, Michael Jordan uh, retires. Now, the conspiracy is that Michael Jordan's retirement was actually a secret suspension from the NBA due to his gambling. Because there's reports where Michael Jordan was basically uh, seen gambling during the playoffs of 1993, same year that, you know, all this happened that he had ultimately you know, his dad would pass away and that he uh, ended up retiring to begin uh, playing baseball. But um, a lot of people think that, you know, his gambling had become such an issue that the NBA was going to need to suspend him or investigate. Uh, so in lieu of an investigation or to make a, an investigation not as uh, prominent because he's no longer in the league and it's not as relevant, Michael Jordan unexpectedly retired at the height of his career after winning, you know, three consecutive NBA championships. And, you know, a lot of people were wondering why. And he made the, you know, he gave the reason of fulfilling his dad's legacy, who, you know, I guess taught him how to play baseball or whatever. But a lot of people think that not only was Michael Jordan suspended for gambling, and that's why he had to uh, play, play baseball for, you know, like a year and a half. But his father was actually you know, murdered and like a hit instead of a random act of violence. Because of gambling debt? Yeah, because of his gambling. So this whole him retiring instead of getting suspended goes back to the storyline where you can't have the good guy being punished for something. So you let him leave the sport while he serves his suspension and you keep the suspension quiet? Yeah, more or less. You know, to not impact the NBA's image or Michael Jordan's image. I had like no David idea. Stern's number one advisor was Vince McMahon. Yeah, exactly. Like Vince McMahon comes <laughs> up with like shit that evil. And now, you know, 
uh, you're going to pull his father's casket out of the ground and drag it through the city. Uh, Put Dennis Rodman in a dress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the NBA is wacky. It's full of characters. You know, um, Michael Jordan has, uh, I should probably, uh, to wrap this part up, uh, Michael Jordan has talked about how hurtful it is that people would bring up his, uh, you know, gambling or other issues as a reason why this may have happened and uh you know completely de- denies it but he also denies that he was suspended for gambling and that's kind of like a urban legend that a lot of people interpret to be uh true because like but wait like as competitive as michael jordan is he wouldn't want to be like sucking ass playing baseball is that not like i guess it wouldn't be like it's a privately owned industry it wouldn't be like a matter of public record or anything it's not anything like yeah, exactly. illegal that was done it was it's just a decision. fucking business yeah okay so it that's why it's, it's like, like an employee you know it's like a rule that is there's a rule that you can't gamble you know right yeah but the biggest players you know breaking it it's like how do you react to that okay also like, i never knew you know do you suspend john cena you know when he's the only one selling t-shirts <laughs> I mean, the only thing that man's guilty of is being one of the most patriotic people this country's ever seen. So I had no idea that Michael Jordan played baseball until like five minutes ago. Is he any good? Did you not watch Space Jam? I can't remember Space Jam. It's all about so his Space Jam retirement. starts with him playing golf because he played professional golf as well. Space Jam no, starts with him playing golf. he did not play professional golf. He would gamble on golf games, though. I'm pretty sure he played maybe in a couple pro, professional Maybe Pro-Am, maybe some Pro-Am I'll get, but, you know, his golfing was just basically part of his gambling addiction. Welcome back More to a reoccurring segment on Birds Ain't Real. Is it a Mandela effect? Or are we just old as fuck and can't remember anything? <laughs> no, it's, it's both. Okay. It's both. It's not a Mandela effect. You suck at pop culture and don't know what's going on. So the beginning um, of Space Jam, he's playing baseball. God, it's been so long. Well, he plays golf and then he starts playing baseball and they like, he sucks. And he did suck. It's the other way around. He's playing baseball and he sucks. And then he goes to play golf and he's bitching about it. And Bugs Bunny sucks him into the hole. And then Newman is looking for him. Yeah, he quits. He quits baseball because he sucks so hard. And people are like talking shit about him. Man, I need to do my research next time. Like I should, I really should have watched both Air Bud and Space Jam leading up to watching this, just so I could yeah, get my basketball you know, swag back on. <laughs> yeah, it, so yeah, if you, you know, and if you were to watch uh, Air Bud, you would see that that dog is definitely more killable than you think. You know? <laughs> um, so wait, I can't believe you killed the fucking dog. Yeah, you're a fucking dog killer. That's what Theoretically, that's, though, that's... but it's only, it's only so that I could bang Osama Bin Laden's niece and be in an unhappy relationship uh, marriage with amber heard so yeah i guess i am a monster uh, <laughs> all right I'll, I'll i'll fuck the dog and then uh kill uh amber heard marry us on the long sneeze oh no uh okay i guess you guys i guess there was a right answer it is to marry the golden retriever but you know, i mean I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment so Let's post yeah. this like so. Whenever I post an episode to Anchor, it's like you can put like a you can put a poll on your episode. Like the poll for this episode is like, which is more, which is which is less fucked up, killing a dog or fucking a dog, and we'll see what our our listeners <laughs> don't think. put that as our poll. <laughs> don't pull that as our poll. You know nothing about marketing or like 
Yeah, just stick to the memes, bro, dude. All right, because that's a horrible. It's like, hey, it's like the fucking counterculture media monthly poll. We want to know, like, would you be a dog fucker or dog killer? Let us know in the comments. (laughs) So, some of the stuff might be real, some might be fake. That's up for you to decide. Birds ain't real. Thanks for listening. Birds Ain't Real is a counterculture media production. To keep up with Birds Ain't Real, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, and you can listen to us wherever you stream podcasts. Thank you for listening.